What if you could say an all-in yes to yourself for 2022? What if you could commit fully to the things you said you were going to do, to the vision that you have, and to be in the room with a mentor who will hold you accountable, cast an even wider vision for you, and give you the strategy, tools, tactics, and support to ensure that these things come to fruition. Welcome to the iconic experience. Oh, just like comes out of me from the depths of my soul, this program, if I can even call it that. It's just not. That's why it's called the iconic experience. It is an experience. And it is one of the biggest gifts I've ever put out into the world. You are going to be part of a mastermind, a high level executive roundtable of perfectly welcomed in and invited in souls who will collaborate with you and network with you and stretch you and share ideas and all the goodness that comes out of a mastermind is so extraordinary. So you're going to have that every month. You're going to have group Voxer. So that mastermind stays active and you can drop in and ask questions and really share with one another and build deep, meaningful relationships. And on top of that, I thought, what could I do to expand this beyond something that I've seen out there in this world? And that is you have a full iconic experience by welcoming yourself into the rooms of everything I launch live in 2022. So you do not need to contemplate whether you should or do I want to invest. You get to sit back and receive for the entire year as the result of a single yes to yourself. One yes gets you a mastermind for the entire year full of really wicked women, group Voxer with these same women and myself, and you walk in the room for all the live coaching programs that I launch in 2022. You're just in. You're in the room. So this is really for the woman who is ready to lead, lead herself, lead her business, lead her life. And if this sounds like, ooh, it's a prayer I've been asking for, and I just want to say yes to something and just enjoy the experience versus looking constantly for the next thing, the next answer, the next coach, oh, the confusion, the chaos, the energy that is expended through that. Welcome to the iconic experience. You can come into the DMs tell me you're interested, ask the questions. I am so excited to answer them and to get to know you and see if this is a fit for you. Welcome to the best year of your life in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the iconic experience is going to be like the rocket that's going to take you to the whole new level, the one that you've been asking for. I'm so ready to step into that role and to close this chapter and to move into that person because I want that. I want it so bad. I want to feel it and I want to live it and I want to shake this worry and just move on from it. But I'm not there yet. The vision isn't crystal clear. And so I'm focusing more on what emotions I want to feel when I'm there versus what it's going to look like. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. 
I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Okay, Icons, I have a really special guest for you today. She is someone that has really inspired me in the recent months towards health and nutrition. It's something that's definitely on my heart and mind these days. And I really love the idea of healing our bodies, but more importantly, being highly in tune with our bodies. I think sometimes we get so busy, you know, in the hamster wheel of all the things we have to do, we lose touch of the most important home we have, which is our own body. And Jessica Garsh is my beautiful guest today. We are friends. We've known each other for a long time, but there was a time last year where I heard her story of healing her liver and it really touched my heart because I found it very powerful. I found it very inspiring. I felt like she was preparing me for maybe something in the future I would need to be prepared for. Interestingly enough, that actually rang true for me. I don't think you even know this, but you had a profound effect on my health when I hemorrhaged just one month after I heard you talk about healing your liver. And you were a big part of my journey of healing my body. You are already making a huge impact, Jessica. She's in school right now to be a functional nutritionist, holistic practitioner, and she is going to specialize in epigenetics. All of those words make my tongue twisted. It sounds very, very important. And I can't wait to figure out what all that means. Sink in, pour a cup of tea or get yourself like a lemon water, something good for your body right now to hear what Jessica has to say. Thank you, Jessica, for being here. I'm so grateful. Oh, Jen, honestly, like it's a total honor to be here. And I'm excited just to share what I know. But I will say up front, there's so much more to learn and be discovered in the world today and in our own bodies. I'm happy to share my journey and any information that can help other people. Thank you. And I would love to start there if you don't mind. Would you just like kind of give us the story of what happened and maybe like the first inclinations you had of something being off? My daughter is nine now. So 10 years ago. When I was pregnant, I discovered that I had a rare blood clotting disorder. I clotted from my femoral vein, my popliteal, like my entire leg. And so when I went to the hospital, it was late at night and I had been, I was only five weeks pregnant, but like super, super sick, like in bed. I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time and couldn't even like lift my head. And I was the type of person coming from like a varsity athletic background. I played three varsity sports, never took a sick day in my life ever. And I flew, I ended up having this meeting in Toronto and I just pulled myself out of bed, got on the plane and I was sick the whole way to Toronto. But it's just what you do, what you know. And what I always knew was like health and your body will be okay. And I took it for granted. And so I got home from Toronto a couple of days later and my husband, who doesn't really get alarmed over anything, he was in the military at the time and just got back from Afghanistan. He actually was the one who literally drove the car on the lawn and was like, get in the car, we're going to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, they looked at me like I was just this healthy young, I think I was like 28 years old, five weeks pregnant. And they just said, oh, you're just sick because of pregnancy and suck it up, buttercup kind of thing. The pain persisted and eventually I couldn't walk and I didn't go back to the doctor and I just kind of let it go. Got so bad. But by the time I went to the hospital, I found out that I had the largest blood clot from growing to toe and it was a life or death situation. They called in my family. They had to call in the radiologist right into my room and it was touch and go. What came from that was this whole fear. I couldn't settle in to life after that. I was always terrified to fly, terrified. You know, if we got in a car accident, I would bleed out because I was on these blood thinners. And then if I ate the wrong foods with my blood clot, like every day it was like this cycle in my head of, you know, is my blood thin enough? Is my blood too thin? It got ahead of me and I lost that comfort of feeling health and just enjoying my life and really not having to worry. It put a lot of worry in my life. 
I ended up going on to have a second child, which was really calculated. And that's my son, Weston, much easier pregnancy, but still I was in bed the whole time and just no blood clots or anything. But just again, like super aware, just not allowing flow in your life, not trusting at that point, really tense, really trying to control a lot of things. And I noticed around the time when Weston was born and I was on these blood thinners that I was having upper quadrant pain on my right side, which is where your liver is. And I kept going to the doctor for eight years saying I had upper quadrant pain. They just looked at me like, you know, you're a young mom, you're tired, you're not going to be the varsity athlete that you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever it was. I just kind of accepted it, even though every night I'd lay down and I'd feel this thing in my stomach and I'd feel pain. And there was times I would take my breath away and I just didn't have the energy that I used to. And I kept saying to my husband, something's wrong, like something is off. But he's like, they would have picked it up on an ultrasound, Jess. You've had so many tests and everything and nothing showed anything. Speed forward to 2019. So about a year and a half out. We had been traveling for a couple of years as a family. Really just not feeling my best, but not feeling bad. Like just always living with this chronic like uncomfortableness within my body. But push it aside. Didn't listen to myself and didn't pursue anything more because everything I had heard was I was fine. When I came home from traveling, I met a naturopath, Dr. Tanda Cook. She was beautiful. And she just said, you know what, I'm going to help you get your energy back. Some things happened along that journey of working with her and just figuring things out for myself. I went into the hospital with knife stabbing pains in my upper right quadrant. And this time the blood work did show my liver enzymes were a thousand times normal. It was a really, really difficult situation. So what came from that was for six months, we live in a bigger town, smaller city, not really awesome healthcare. For six months, I just kept feeling like it was this blood thinner that I was put on when I was pregnant. And every doctor kept telling me it's not the blood thinner. I believed them. After six months of not being able to parent my kids, losing my hair, I lost 40 pounds. I grew a huge liver belly, bigger than when I was pregnant. Couldn't breathe, couldn't talk, couldn't walk, couldn't eat. Just kind of laid there every day hoping for something to change in the hospital. My dad's a pharmaceutical rep and my mom is a hippie and they are not together for the right reasons. But my mom has always been like, listen to your body, get in tune with yourself. And my dad is very much like the doctors know what they're doing and listen to them. And when you're in that situation, you really kind of give up your power and you just think, okay, like, you know, I'm at your mercy and make me better. And it got to the point where my life was ticking. They told me on my birthday last May that I needed a liver transplant and that I didn't have time for a deceased donor, and that I would have to find my own live liver donor, and nobody in my family was a match. My husband might have been. We started the testing for that, but the doctors advised us that it's very risky, and we could lose two parents. And so it kind of was like, do we want to know the answer if my husband is a match or not? The fortunate situation in all of this, we were going through the process to do my workup for the operation. I just had this feeling all along for the 10 years that I was on these blood thinners that it was the blood thinners. Like before my pregnancies, I was healthy. And I said it to the doctors and they were like, don't go off your blood thinner. The liver deals with blood and clotting. The worst thing we want right now is a blood clot. And for six months, I listened to them. For six months, I was deteriorating to the point where I was facing death. When I said it to my mom and my husband was very against it, my dad was very against it. But when I said it to my mom, It was like those lessons from her raising me. She was just like, you got to trust your gut. And I remember listening to this meditation, listen to it every single day for six months. And it's 150 affirmations. And I don't know why this day, this one stood out, but it said, I am the leader of my healthcare team. 
couple days before this transplant was supposed to happen, I said to my husband, I have the option where I get the transplant and live. I get the transplant and die because the odds weren't in my favor. Or I take a risk because to me, I'm facing a transplant or not. And if I don't go off these blood thinners, I'm never going to know. So I was in the hospital and you got to remember that when you're up for a transplant, you have to follow doctor's orders because there's not a lot of them. They have to know that you're doing what they say. And I decided in this particular moment, there was something so strong, this strong message that I had been not listening to for 10 years, this voice saying, this isn't right for you. Don't take that pill every day. It's not right for you. It's making you sick. I went through all of my pregnancies so sick. And as soon as I started to take this different type of blood thinner they put me on when I was in liver failure, I had the exact same feeling as I did when I was pregnant. Nausea, couldn't eat, was in the hospital, on IVs and it all. And the same thing happened. And so I just said, I know it's the blood thinner. I know it is. I decided to not tell anyone but my mom. And a couple of days before I was supposed to have the transplant, I went completely off of the blood thinner with the risk of clotting, you know, not making it through. And I just decided I'm going to go for it. That was one of my biggest lessons is that you really do know yourself. Like you really have to trust yourself and you really have to listen to that voice because it's whispering to you for a reason. I feel that I listened to mine. And what came from that was within 24 hours, my liver went from 95% cell death to 95% cell regeneration. Just by going off of the blood thinner and listening to my body, I had total alignment and my body heard that message and it responded by, you know, doing what our bodies can do, regenerate. So it was a very long road. I ended up getting off of the transplant list last summer. I just thought that I would be on this perfect, like, hey, give it. The liver takes about five, six months to heal. Five, six months would take us to Christmas and I'd be through the worst year of my life. It's not that easy in these journeys. And I did have really awesome progress. I went from like, you know, in the first two weeks, not being able to walk, not being able to eat, you know, losing hair to getting on a stationary bike and walking to my bathroom and showering. Like there was huge gains and I was just so motivated for the growth to come. And then around like eight months, it stalled out where I couldn't see those gains anymore. And it became a little bit frustrating, well, a lot frustrating. It's kind of like I've settled into this new norm. I'm going to be honest, it's not where I want to settle in. So I'm doing a lot of work right now mentally to really manifest, which is something I really believe in, reprogram my cells, reprogram the pathways and retrain my body of what it can feel, what it can experience. And it's a lot of work, but I have to say like, it's such internal empowerment because I really do believe this is the new science led me to epigenetics, which is the study of the environment within. And that's where these magical things can happen. Then that led me to functional nutrition and holistic practitioner. So that's kind of like the full circle. So it's crazy. A year ago, I was in liver failure and now I'm studying to be a holistic practitioner. It's just crazy where our lives take us. Sometimes those brick in the head moments can be really difficult to try to understand. Like, why did it take this for me to figure things out? But I know through your story and people listening right now, I'm sure people are on the edge of their seat going, what? Or I'm not feeling well and I'm not listening. Those whispers that we ignore, I think that's the biggest lesson in all of this, that you have that intuition. I really believe in intuition. You were guided. It's just whether we tune in and really listen and trust because sometimes it is so far in the opposite direction of what's normal. I'd love to talk to you about something if you don't mind. It's a little sensitive, I'm sure. But I think for anybody who's a mom, they feel a little heart tug to what it must have felt like. I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. To be like really, really sick and then have to make a decision that wasn't necessarily proven or quote unquote the right decision, but you knew how difficult that must have been. 
there's two areas that I'm still finding my peace in. And that's one. And the other one is that I had over 50 people put their name on a list to be my liver donor. And at the time, it just felt so peaceful. And then in hindsight, when you're doing your gratitude and like really paying it forward to these people, which I do often, there's a piece of me that I don't think I could do that for someone else other than my own family. There's right. a piece where it's like, how come like I'm not learning that lesson like about giving and loving and that's really hard for me and I'm finding my way through that. And then the second question is what you just asked. I have multiple answers for it and I'm still unclear with the right answer for me. I'll kind of walk you through some of the thought process. In that moment, I was in a different province away from my kids and my kids were really struggling at home. My son, he was about to start kindergarten. He was in preschool. There was this whole part of him that was like my baby that got lost in the airport in Taiwan. You know, he's the type of kid that has no comfort zone. Like he just goes for anything. But during that time, I couldn't even have a shower without him sitting beside the shower. If I went to the kitchen, he was beside me. Like he could not separate from me. And I remember this one day he came into the hospital when I hadn't seen them for a while because we're in a different province. He hugged me from behind and he said, I'll always love you, mommy. And my daughter, Mally, said, mommy's not dying, Weston. You're going to see her again. And he goes, yes, she is. That's something that just hit so hard for me because I can hear his voice and I can feel his fingers and I can see my daughter's face. I couldn't see his face. And they left. I remember being like, okay, if this is my time, let's walk through this. I walked through it as being very grateful that I had built a business that was leveraged that could take care of my family. And that was a huge risk. And, you know, I gave up a really good career to do that. And then I walked kind of through of, okay, who did I marry? I married a Mr. Mom. Why did this Mr. Mom come into my life? Was it because this was already programmed and that my kids now have this man that I know can take care of my kids in a way, you know, not every mom has that comfort. There was a lot of peace in facing my death with like, I know my kids were going to be okay. There were some things that were unsettling, like not seeing them at their weddings, not seeing them, you know, graduate, not going to the hockey games and even holding a tea at the hockey game. I felt that I felt like I want to experience that moment of watching my son and I'm holding a hot tea and there's nothing to think about other than watching him. Like there's no worries. So I went through all of those cycles and I kind of came to the point where I had peace with it. I made all the decisions. I played life well. They're going to be okay. As much as I don't want to go right now, they're going to be okay. And then I had this other piece of me that really believes in creation and manifestation where I'm like, if I can just envision myself in a different chapter of life where I make it through this, what will that look like? And I made a very clear choice in that time to not find peace in that my kids were going to be okay without me, that I had to give it my all of writing myself letters, playing videos, getting pictures, doing things that made me see a different chapter. And this one might make you laugh, but I remember calling my husband and I said, you need to come to Halifax because I have three days basically to find this liver and get to Toronto to have this transplant. And he called his mom in from Kingston. She was on a plane coming to our house. Andrew was getting in the car to come. And then I called him back and I said, But before you come, I need you to go look at this cottage on this lake that's like 20 minutes from our house. And he was furious. He was like, I'm coming, Jess. Like, why would I go look at a cottage? Andrew, this is my next chapter. I need to see myself healing in that cottage. That is where we need to be. And I need you to put an offer on that cottage. He was beside himself. And I'm like, that's my vision. Like, that is my piece where I can see teaching my kids how to water ski, teaching my kids how to be in the environment that we're in. No toys, just like really rustic living. 
that vision had feeling and a feeling of hope and a feeling of like, I can see myself there. And I just locked on to that. And I really decided that that was what I was going to focus on. And so when we came to the decision to go off of the blood thinner, I really felt I went through different scenarios in my head of here's life with a transplant. I'm on multiple medications. I have a huge scar on my body. I'm limited forever. I have immune system. I'm compromised. Can we travel? Like the things we love to do. Okay. That looks like that. Now B is I had the transplant and I don't make it. Okay. I've been through that. That's not what I want. And then C is I had this miracle happen. I go off the blood thinner. I'm in this cottage. That is exactly what came from it was within 24 hours. I was told after having that vision and buying that cottage uh, or putting an offer on it that I had a spontaneous recovery and the doctors have no reason, no insight. And I'm still going through testing and they still have done genetic testing. I've done so much stuff. I am somebody that like, I haven't drank since university. I eat clean. I go to bed at nine o'clock and up at five o'clock to like meditate. Like how do I go into liver failure? And all the literature is about like diet and alcohol and abusing your body. And I'm just like, okay. So when all of this was going on, I just really felt that when I kind of pulled through it, I really just felt that I was a chosen one and I hadn't really come into who that is yet. I search for that purpose every single day. I show up to find that purpose. Sometimes I have to relax because I'm so hungry for it that I'm trying to control it. But I really do believe that I was a chosen one. And if I can connect with the message that I'm meant to share, then I feel I will heal. But until then, I don't know. Like there's still so much to learn, right? It was interesting. I just had this conversation with a medium and Reiki master last night about how as human beings, we can search so hard for our purpose that we miss the purpose because we're so desperately trying to find it that it's almost like we forget being in this moment right now, sharing your story is a portion of your purpose. I had to mute myself because I got really emotional when you were talking about making those decisions and how brave you were. I think sometimes when we're not well and we feel heavy burden, we can often shrink. We can really get into that victim mentality of like, why me? Why is this happening to me? I don't drink. I eat well. And you are the epitome of health. I mean, if people go over to your Instagram, which I would definitely recommend they do, and we'll talk about that, but you look and even scroll back, you were traveling the world with your kids. You were like this free bird. I always looked at you as that, like just living life so fully. How does this happen to someone like yourself? But I do believe, Jess, because you were that way, you were able to hear the intuition. This is such a gift. I'd love to ask you the top like three things everyone should do for their health. What would you suggest? Number one is easy. We 100% only eat whole food. People are like, oh, it's so easy to grab crackers or it's so easy to grab. But I'm like, it's easy to grab an apple. It's easy to grab a banana. It's easy to grab carrots. We are a family where every single thing is full. That was a really hard transition. So maybe people have to take it one step at a time. Some people like to jump fully in. If you're taking it one step at a time, I would suggest people start with adding vegetables. So I like to focus on adding in and crowding out the bad. So if you're getting full, like like focus on what you can add in versus like, don't do sugar, don't do gluten, don't do dairy. Just add in a ton of vegetables. Number two is I really find being outside like nature That's something I think we all need. We're all into cell phones and computer and technology. There's a lot of science around the chlorophyll and plants and, you know, how they process. And I mean, if you pick a flower, it's going to regenerate. And if we focus on our body, a lot of people think it's just the liver that regenerates. The new science is saying no, or all of our cells regenerating all the time. And that's why someone with cancer 
when they go past the five-year mark, people say they're cancer-free. And the reason why they can say that is because after five years, every single cell in your body is a totally new cell. Every cell in your body is completely different than it was five years ago. You have all new cells. I would really focus on like what's going to put energy into your body. And for me, that's like the sunshine, outdoors, fresh air every single day. It's a mandatory. Third thing I would say, aside from like meditation and exercise and all those things that people know, I remember being in the hospital and everyone sending me flowers. And I remember before that, not stopping to smell the roses. I remember this huge bouquet of flowers came in and I quoted on my Instagram. I don't remember word for word, but it was something like, stop and smell the flowers like where you are right now, because if not, you're going to be smelling the one that people send you in your hospital bed. And so now I really make a point to, I'm learning how to play again. Like I actually don't know how to play. So those are things that I'm focusing on. And I really think joy, doing things that fill you up. I have made a total conscious effort before I was someone that was so into like growing my businesses and raising my kids, just got all of that kind of consumed me and I was spinning my wheels every day. But now I absolutely pay attention to the things that fill me up and the things that don't. I don't do the things that don't fill me up. And some people may be in that position where they have to do things that they're not in a position where they can get out of it. But what I would advise you is to create that vision of life where you want to go and when and really get detailed on when that won't be in your life. The thing that doesn't fill you up and just get very clear on that and just start to step in that direction so that you can... We're our birthright. Like we were born with the birthright of having success and health and happiness and joy and play and love. And I think society's conditioned us to what a lot of people are doing. And I don't think that brings health into our lives. I feel like I resonate with this part of your story because the one thing I'm really trying hard to learn right now is play. I've never been a playful person. I tend to be more on the serious side. That is an uncomfortable thing for me. It's truly uncomfortable. I'm like, what do you mean play? You want me to play Barbies? I didn't even play Barbies when I was little. Like, I don't know how to do that stuff. This is not in me. But then I'm realizing that's a story I've told myself. It is in me. I just have to pull it out and also find what makes me feel playful. And it was interesting you said nature because just this past weekend, we went away for a weekend and we went on a beautiful hike on the Bruce Trail. And there was something, I don't know how else to say it other than renewed. And it was playful because we took turns being the leader and I watched my kids seek things and look at things. And that to me felt playful. So I'm like, oh, this is my way of playing. It's just being out with the kids. It doesn't have to be a game, quote unquote. Although I do like a good board game, but... I had to learn that too, Jen. Like I was really like, okay, what's play? Like playing unicorns with my daughter or, you know, playing Transformers, but that's not play. That's engagement for them. But what I really had to do, and I actually really like it was like a lot of inner child work. Cause when I go back to like my inner child, I was quite free and I was quite playful and I was quite light. And when I do the work now, it's like my liver's quite heavy. It's rigid. You know, there's a lot of emotions stored in there. If you're into that Louise Hay, like anger, and there's a lot in there. You know, I'm just going to be real on this call. But even like sex life, like not playful. Like there's some things that, you know, my husband's super playful and I am like stiff bored. And I just want to loosen up. But it's like, why can't I? When I did this inner child work and I went back to when I was like five or six, I remember this day, it actually brought me to a point where I felt unlovable. And that really brought out a lot of emotions. And then I had another stage hit me when I was like 17 years old. And then that brought out a lot of emotion. And it's working through those times, but then also really realizing like to identify with yourself, when were you playful? You know, I use the word playful because I actually feel like I was a playful child. And that's something that I feel like, when did I lose 
you know, that lightness. When did I become someone that controls? And if you actually look up blood clotting is about trying to control, like blood is life, blood is joy, blood should flow. And if you're clotting, you're trying to control your life. And I remember when all of this happened, my parents got divorced. We were quite poor growing up, uh, like my mom and me and my sister. I remember like I met my husband and he's in the military and things are controlled and he went away for eight months. And then I just had to go to university play university sports, but then work too. And I was always in this position where I could control my outcome. I could control, you know, if I wanted something, I could just like, I could just work harder for it. And I could, you know, always achieve what I wanted until all of this health stuff started to happen. And I honestly feel that I brought this all on to myself. I feel that I've manifested this. And I also feel that I can manifest out of it. It's really about life being about experiences. And I've had to learn to detach from not the emotion, because I think the feeling is a part of life where we learn and gain our wisdom, but really just accept it and be like, okay, I'm here to learn a lesson. I'm going to go fully in that, even when it doesn't feel good. And I'm going to feel the not so good and I'm going to feel the good too. And it's just allowed me to like release that control and just kind of allow the flow. And I've been off my blood thinner for a year now. And the doctor said I'd be on it for life. And my blood work is perfect. So it just kind of goes hand in hand with there's so much to it. My daughter's about to go to medical school. And I, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch oh, and see. But she's very serious. So she would think this is woo-woo. And as soon as I say, you know, let's try this oil or let's try drinking this chlorophyll. She shuts down. She's like, you are crazy, mom. But I really think everything we need is available to us. You know, when you say whole foods, honestly, that one thing, and it sounds so obvious. So forgive me if I sound like I'm in kindergarten of nutrition, but I never really thought of it as it's as easy to grab an apple as it is to grab those crackers. You always associate easy with fast food, like in a package. Oh, just grab it versus reach in your fridge and eat the apple. That just, I don't know. I guess I needed to hear that in that moment. We look for ease in our lives. I think we need to lean more into challenging ourselves and stop trying to look for the easy all the time. I agree with you totally. And I'm most attracted to people like that. That's who I want to hang out with are the people who aren't into the ease that push themselves. That's purpose. To me, that's purpose. That's life's purpose is how can I be better today? What lessons have I learned? How can I apply them? And how can I become a better human being? Because through that, that's when you make impact. You are such a blessing. I've learned a lot. I feel very emotionally attached to your story. It has nothing to do with me, but as a mom, as a woman, as someone who also has had some health scares, not as serious as yours, but definitely had health scares, I feel very empowered, inspired. I also know that I have to do my due diligence every single day to look after myself. And I'd love to ask you, when you think of that future version of Jessica, what is she, what's she doing? When I was going through all this liver failure, as my skin blistered and peeled off my body and hair fell off, I literally looked at it as a metamorphosis. Like I was like, I'm shedding my old and coming into my new. And I just kept seeing this like lobster or crab, you know, shed their too small shell and then climb into their bigger shell. And part of me was really excited as much as it was so hard to look in the mirror or transform. There was a part of me that was like, no, this, there's something big coming. Like I didn't go through this for nothing. Something really good is going to come from this. And so it's like, I've attached it to this big thing. I've attached it to like, I don't know like what it is, but I know it's going to be big. And because of that pressure, it's hard to settle in just the big things of the everyday, just like, you know, having my kids close, having sleepovers and those things, I'll tell you, like, just, I, it has not gotten old. Like their touch, everything is still like that day I came over from the hospital. It's changed me that way. 
I can't see her yet, Jen. And that is why I'm really struggling with what to visualize. And I get when people get caught up and stuck in that because every single other chapter I saw, I remember being young and being like, I want a Jeep, got a Jeep. And I remember being like, I want a golden retriever, but it can't just be any golden retriever. It has to be one that can walk without a leash and like be totally awesome. Well, I got that golden retriever and I didn't even train him and he was perfect. Having my husband in our house and where we live, like everything, the cottage, it's like everything came about. But why can't I see this next chapter of myself? And I think that is where I'm getting stuck on feeling the pain of yesterday. I'm still feeling it today. Like physically, I have pain in my body and my liver. But I need to actually see that girl, that woman. And I have glimpses of going to the hockey rink and holding that mug. I have glimpses of being at my kid's wedding and I have glimpses of being on a huge stage and being like someone who's written a book and total inspirational speaker. And on that level of thinking, you know, I have pictures of me on like shape magazine with a six pack and no liver scar. Like I have these glimpses, but it's like, it's still not me. Like, it's like, no, that's not it. And my whole business with Alchemy Academy, like that's kind of starting on the side, but that's just my passion. And it's like, is that the big thing I'm supposed to do? I put pressure on it because I'm so ready for her. Like I'm so ready to step into that role and to close this chapter and to move into that person because I want that. I want it so bad. I want to feel it and I want to live it and I want to shake this worry and just move on from it. But I'm not there yet. The vision isn't crystal clear. And so I'm focusing more on what emotions I want to feel when I'm there versus what it's going to look like. So I'm focusing on being free, feeling light, floating in life, like focusing on emotions, emotional experiences more than the actual vision of it. And I hope the vision will come, but I work on it every single day, every day. I just keep thinking though, Jess, what if you're already her? No, no, I'm not in tune. Okay. I really feel I'm there in my parenting like years ago. I was the mom that was like growing my business and making dinner and chaos. And now I feel like, no, if you came in our home, like what I put, people think Facebook is Facebook and all that. I will stand on the tallest mountain and people can move in my house for a year, put cameras on our house. I am so proud to share that we work to have what we have in our home and it is loving and it is beautiful. And I share it because I'm proud of it. And I want grandparents to see it in different provinces. So for me, that part of my life is beautiful. I have a beautiful marriage. There's still some things like sexually, like I said, I need to play and loosen up a bit. That's another chapter I'm working on. But when it comes to actually feeling I have purpose and have contributed in this world. I have always felt I'm meant for something big, but I've never had that voice in my head that says I can't do something. I've always had that voice of like, once I make traction or once I connect with it, I can pull in that direction, but I haven't connected with it. The whole piece with alchemy was in New Zealand. And I remember saying to my husband, when I first started meditating, my mom is like a Reiki master and she meditates every day and she's lived this life and I've resisted it. I did a science degree, went pharmaceutical, went kind of that direction. I remember she said to me, when you're in New Zealand, just meditate every single day. And she's like, even if it's a minute, just do one minute every day. And I remember this one day, it was halfway through our trip and we were there for I think six months, went up to this mountain that I hiked. It was like in the city and we hiked it every day. And I went up and I said to my husband, I'm not coming down until I actually connect. And I said, you know, I'll see you when I see it. And he's so like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I remember I went up and it was the first time and I tried meditating for 30 years and I never felt anything. And this one day, it was like, I saw my whole life flash ahead of my eyes. And it was like this whole experience. And I woke up from it 
And I, I ran down the mountain and I called my husband and I'm like, come pick me up. I have to share this with you. And my daughter at the time was only six. She was in grade one and she was sitting in the back seat. And I was sharing all of this to Andrew about like, I don't really know what I saw. I saw it like flash. It was so detailed. And then when I woke up, it was gone. And I was trying to like get it out. And Mally, my daughter in the back seat went kind of like alchemy. And I was like, what? And I don't even know what alchemy means. And Andrew goes, alchemy is like changing from a metal to a gold. And it was exactly what I was experiencing. This is well before liver failure. The whole time I was in liver failure, I went to someone who does body talk and she's like, your daughter knows, but ask her. And I kept asking Manly, like, what did you mean by that? She'd be like, I don't know. And it just went away. Like it was like never there, but I hung on to it. So two years ago, six weeks before liver failure, it was Christmas and my kids and Andrew gave me, I got the Jeep years ago, but they gave me a license plate that said alchemy. And I put it on the Jeep and six weeks later, I'm driving to outer province and liver failure to get myself, you know, help. And I'm like, okay, like there's something with alchemy. Like I have to have a state change. I'm changing from a metal to a gold. I'm actually incorporating branding now and I've just licensed my business, but my daughter has planned majority of it with me and she still doesn't know what it is. And I don't know what it is, but I see it as multiple platforms and I'm kind of like dabbling in different things, but with it comes writing a book with it comes stage stuff. But then at the same time, I'm like the worst writer and I don't want to be on social media. So it's like this whole aversion to how I need to grow. So I'm trying to see this vision without cluttering my calendar, without doing it through social media and just trying to connect and reach people that I don't even know what I want to reach in. And I just have to trust that process that liver failure was my state change. And I'm still not my gold, I guess, right now. This is so powerful. Your openness, you said you wanted flow and to float through life even though you're feeling a little bit of that resistance, you're still allowing the flow in, which is what you're desiring. So I no doubt that clarity is going to come. And do we ever really arrive? That's the thing too. Like, do we ever really get to a point where like, that was it? (laughs) I do. I I long for that feeling. I really feel like I want to experience that in my lifetime where I'm like totally... Because my husband is someone that lives that every day. And it's so attractive. He has no agenda. It's not like he's just going through the flow. He pushes himself every day. He's learning all the time. It's like 100% him. And I know one other person like that is so attractive. It's just like, you know, it's so attractive. And I feel like I'm kind of like forcing my way to be that as opposed to just settling in. But when I think back to how I was as a kid, I didn't have to force. Like, I feel like I just need to find her again. Then I will have that feeling. And that's why when people ask me to do certain things with functional nutrition, I'm like, like, it's like, I don't want to start in that direction because I'm like, I don't know if that's it. It's like, I'm completely frozen and I don't want to get derailed from just like, okay, this is this is the path where I'm supposed to go because for the first time in my life, I'm in school without an agenda. I've always gone to school to get a job and to further my career and to build a resume. And this is the first time I'm in school with no agenda. I don't need to build a career from it. I don't need to, you know, build a clinic. I just am the student who's there to absorb. Well, I would just challenge you to remember you can have it all. I really believe that. And you will. And I I can't wait to watch this emerge. And I usually finish my podcast with how are you going to be iconic today? I feel like you sort of answered a lot of that because you woke up today with a major intention. Is there anything you would add to how you'd be iconic today? That was every day I start my day with it. Like I go to bed thinking Mm -hmm. what's my intention for tomorrow. Like intention is my favorite word. Like what is my intention? 
intention today was just to show up in their space to make that learning really fun. And so we just finished homeschool right before. And then tonight they do like an evening session with my mom and an afternoon session with my sister's husband. My intention is just to like be in that, like with them. Feel that I've done that. The other part, like waking up to manifest and all that, that's now just part of my everyday. So if that's something that if there's something you want to do, I really feel it's best to do it in the morning. Like, but I, I'm a morning person and that's joy for me. It's not stress. So yeah, I resonate with that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Where can people find you? Okay. Yeah. So just my Instagram name. So dare to dream family. If people want to go to that, that'd be great. And then I also have the alchemy Facebook group. So it's just small. There's only like 500 people, but I'd love to grow that. But that's where people want to, it's kind of a place for me to journal, but I also share recipes and it's kind of my own growth. So if people want to be added to that, you're in that gen and they can add you. I love it. Um, like go through you to get in that, whatever. That's the space I would really recommend. It's nice watching you on Instagram, but to really learn from you and your experience, I find that Facebook group is phenomenal. I love it. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes so people can go and find you and seek you out. And Jessica, I just want to thank you so much for your time and just being open and vulnerable with us all, because that is what creates change for others. It gives them the bravery and courage to do the same. Thank you. Like, honestly, I remember the first time I met you though, I just liked you right away. Like, and I find I'm not surprised you're doing what you're doing in this now and connecting with so many people. It suits you so well. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there, make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know, I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day. 